Hello, welcome to Free Will Science and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and here today I'm here with David Joseph, George Ortega, and Felicia Hogan. And our topic for today is basically dispelling the myths about what we are actually meaning. Because we we do this sometimes, but we don't do it often enough, is defining what we mean by free will. Um, because a lot of people have been influenced by the compatibilists, thinking that free will is just acting on your desires. But we're actually talking about the kind of free will that people have been believing in um, for the longest time, that humans um, or perhaps other animals are the first cause of their thoughts, um, intentions, beliefs, desires, and actions. Like that they just self-create things out of nothing. Um, because what they're really claiming is to say that they actually made a choice is, and that they, they say that they could have done otherwise. At that exact moment, they could have chosen otherwise. What they're saying is that their choice is independent of their biology and environment which is just completely insane because that's like saying that your decision to open a, an umbrella and hold it over your head had nothing to do with the fact that it was raining outside. That's how absurd it is. <laughs> so something caused you to do what you did. <laughs> um, and it's also important to explain what we don't mean because we're not talking about like political freedom. We're not talking about that you have no freedom of speech or freedom of religion or freedom of the press, although the, it, there's several things that could be said about each of those topics, I'm sure, because um, often political freedom means that you won't be sent to jail for doing those things. It has nothing to do with whether you have a free will or free choice to do those things. Because like free speech, for example, is just, well, Free speech means you can say what you want and no one's going to kill you or put you in jail for it, you know? But you're not free to say other than what you are caused to say by what you believe, it, it, you know? So that's, that's a whole – another podcast right there, I'm sure. But perhaps some of my other co-hosts would like to weigh in on precisely what kind of freedom we do uh, – we are talking about and the freedom we're not talking about. Okay, let's let's stay with yeah what what free will is is not about. And you're right with with the politics. You know, for example, some countries have laws that allow people much more freedom of speech. You can really say what you want. I think in in this country we're pretty lucky in that way. Other countries, you know, if you say certain things, they will imprison you. So that's not you know that's not what we mean. That's that's political freedom. And so that's, you know, freedom of the press and all that. That's one example of what we don't mean. Um, one other way to see this is that, and it's so like with political freedom, there's degrees of freedom, you know, depending on where you are and all, you can say more or less and all or do more or less. So like, but with free will, it's either we have it or we don't. That's a very important point. That's a very good point, George, because political freedom can come in, in degrees there might be there might be laws of what you can and can't say or do but free will is pretty much you either have the ability to act independently of your biology and environment or you don't uh, it's it is either or it is black and white which is part of why i like it so much because i'm a binary thinker 
And I think it it needs to be explained clearly because a lot of people, they misunderstand what we mean. For example, um, freedom of religion, for example, basically means that you won't be killed for your your religious beliefs or lack thereof. Although people might still be killed for their religious beliefs if people are attributing free will to them and blaming them, which is interesting because um, th there's this, you know, there's this debate that goes on about whether certain religious groups are persecuted or not. And I think of persecution as, well, someone's killing you or firing you from your job or some, doing something nasty to you based on your religion, uh, which is like racism or sexism in a way. But what, but as far as free will, like free choice of religion would mean that you were free to choose to believe any religion, any existing religion or an entirely made up religion that had nothing to do with your biology and environment. That's the kind of free will that doesn't exist because we all know that our beliefs about religion or politics or philosophy have to come from somewhere. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that I, I doubt that most people are going to get free will confused with freedom of religion and that sort of thing. I think that those are pretty commonly understood. Well, the basics of them are understood by most of at least the American society. It's kind of a really big deal here. And I know that it's uh, understood over in the UK generally because they seem like they're all they're generally a lot smarter than us. But um, <laughs> I, I think I found this uh, backreaction.blogspot.com talking about misconceptions and free will. I think this is going to be a little bit more to the point. For instance, if you do not have free will, you cannot or do not have to make decisions. That's not what we're talking about. You can't. Your brain still you still make decisions. It's just not It's not under your control which decision that you make. If yeah. You do not have free will. You have no responsibility for your actions. That's a great point, Felicia. And something very similar is people will, will believe that if we don't have a free will, we can't change ourselves. We can't, you know, achieve things. And all, all of a sudden, you know, you know, all our aspirations are just like, you know, they evaporate. And again, you know, that's we're fine. We, you know, the, the point is we do change. It's just not up to us. What, how we change or, or what changes we make, how we improve and all. And the changes that I want to make about myself are dictated by my biology, my culture, my environment, how I was raised, who my friends are, where I'm working, the fact I'm in the Bible Belt, you know, whatever sort of um, virtues and vices or praise at the time, all of that affects what I want to change about myself. And the fact that I was raised with an internal locus of control means that I what I probably will change about myself, the things that I want to change, because I believe that I can. Yes, and that's very important because the fact that there are certain changes that you want to make, even though you didn't choose to want those changes, you will most likely succeed at changing yourself with the, as soon as you find the right way, the right way to practice changing whatever it is that you want to change. Because I'm I'm motivated to change. I didn't choose to be motivated to change. I just am. And I know exactly what you mean. For example, when it comes to motivation of reading a book, 
Um, there are some things I've been reading, and some of them are just plain boring. And I just and I don't read them. I like I set a goal. Oh, I'm gonna finish Jerry Coyne's Why Evolution Is True. But I just got so bored with all the disgusting details of, of the of biology. It, it, it grossed me out, <laughs> and I wasn't interested. Yeah, willpower is also another um, source confusion. This is like this guy Roy Baumeister. He's a He's written, I think, over 500 articles in academic peer-reviewed journals, and he's written an entire book on willpower. Okay, he, but but he wrote an article saying that like, that basically one's free will can be depleted, and if you drink lemonade, you know, you can restore some of your free will. I mean, like this confusion <laughs> between willpower and free will. I can't believe that the academics, you know, can can get that so confused. Yes, George, I read that in your book, you know, your free will and climate change book about drinking lemonade to restore your depleted free will. And so, yeah, this, I mean, like, you know, we, we should do other top um, podcasts on, you know, how these academics who, you know, who've been so presumably well educated, you know, they've got PhDs, yet are unable and capable of, of understanding this basic logic. You know, that's, that's a real conundrum you know we, we got to try to figure that out so so does it only work with lemonade or, or can it be other, other sodas <laughs> as well yeah well i think it works with pepsi too <laughs> Wait, like all pepsi products or just like pepsi pepsi yeah well i do pepsi max because it has the highest caffeine <laughs> i think it's the caffeine that restores my willpower yeah, we should ask, is it the caffeine or is it the sugar content, right? <laughs> is Mellow Yellow Pepsi or Coke product? <laughs> even our even our so-called choice to whether to what soda or fruit juice we drink is not up to a free will. It's not up to us. It's, hey, we drink what we like. What makes us feel good? But with, with regards to that, I've had the, uh, the argument that, that, that they'll – kind of uh, push back and say well well yeah it's it's not our free will but we have a limited choice between what's on the shelf and they kind of they they try to uh, portray that as the argument against free will yeah that makes sense and the problem with their argument david is that you don't get to choose what's on the shelf either <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think more you know more directly in a sense Basically, and it's understandable because it's like a confusion in the language. Basically, they confuse choice with free choice. Exactly. You know, they kind of like perceive themselves choosing. They may have like, let's say they want to buy oranges. So one supermarket may have like five varieties or, you know, 10, whereas another supermarket only has three. So that they believe they have more choice in one than the other. But again, it's, you know, what we need to like really explain to them that it's not really about choice, it's about whether these quote-unquote choices that we're making are fundamentally up to us. That's, you know, and, it, and it really is... That, that will usually follow after that first part of the argument. It will be a case of if we don't have free choice, then technically we don't have choice at all. And yeah. that's true. And we've, we've done episodes on that, absolutely. Yeah, and I agree very strongly with that because the entire time, I'm serious, like my whole life, um, my idea of a choice, the way it was presented in Christianity, the way it was presented in um, 
in movies, you know, they the characters would say to each other, well, you had a choice. You could have done this instead. That's just it. Is choice always meant could have done otherwise. And it is very much the could have done otherwise type of free will uh, or choice that does not exist. <laughs> the one other thing that we don't mean uh, that's also on the list from Back Reaction on Blogspot is we don't mean that there is no morality. Yes. Good point. Good point. And we don't we don't mean that does that morality doesn't exist. So how I do you explain one, that to them? It doesn't mean that there is no right and wrong. It doesn't mean that we can't have laws to guide society and try to keep things peaceful uh, and running smoothly. It just means that the way we deal with people breaking the laws logically would need to be different than they are here in the States where you don't necessarily blame and punish, but rather teach and rehabilitate. Yes. And it also means that our, idea of morality is subjective or or another way of saying that is like you know to the extent there may be right and wrong and that really sometimes depends on how we define it like for example there's this british philosopher john locke who defined goodness as that which creates happiness okay so like if, if goodness creates happiness then then evil or badness would create pain and unhappiness so like you know we would say to our, you know, that fine, there, there is morality, but it's not our morality. And that, that gets confusing in a sense, because then, well, whose morality is it? Is, you know, under theism, it's, it, then, then God is either moral or immoral or the universe or something. But, but yeah, it's, like, it's like, but the morality no longer applies to human beings. It applies to whatever makes us do what we do. Yes, and I was trying to explain this. I'm so glad Felicia brought this up because I just got a comment on Facebook last night of someone asking me how I can believe in good and evil when I don't believe in free will. And I just simply commented that I didn't say that good or evil was a choice. <laughs> you know, that's the distinction. That I understand that had my environment been different, I could have totally turned into into a total murderer, you know. In fact, I was on a sort of a violent path in the past, thinking violence was the answer, you know. But I I learned. <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you would have honestly been that violent. I mean, I don't know you from your past, but I mean, even if what what you define as very violent now may by society be defined as relatively normal yeah like i don't think you would have been a mass murderer or something like that yeah i think you're probably right about that felicia see it's just that you know a long time ago um i i get and a lot of it was self-defense too because you know when i was a teenager there was a lot of bullies in our neighborhood and and so i i pretended i was donatello of the youth Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I went that around. Is adorable. He's the best one. He's the best one. Yes, <laughs> I, yes. I went around with uh, with a big stick wherever I walked, and there were quite a few kids who tried to mess with me and got whacked. So that I, is. <laughs> I don't find that to be violent. I mean, self defense is generally morally considered acceptable. 
Yeah. Lisa, that's a good point. We were talking yesterday about, like, in other words, some people say, well, if we don't have free will, then others can't be blamed for what they do. So we become like doormats or subject to whatever they do and we can't defend themselves. So we say that. We say, fine, listen, they don't have a free will. We don't have a free will. But whether it's physical or sometimes emotional, we have every right to defend ourselves, you know, free will or not. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I like the example that um, Sam Harris uses when he brings up uh, one of Saddam Hussein's uh, sons who was going around basically torturing and murdering whoever he wanted to murder. And his security was so good that we, we couldn't really do what we usually do and try to capture him and, you know, prevent him that way. So the only option left was to, you know, kind of assassinate him. I mean, in that context, I think, you know, that would be like a self-defense uh, self-defense idea of, of preventing further harm and suffering to others. Yeah, exactly. If, if our country was attacked, then certainly we have to defend ourselves. And so, yes. And of course, there's a very fine line between self-defense and retribution, which uh, there are actually very specific laws about it here in the States where you, o you can only use the amount of force that's necessary to keep yourself from being hurt. So if that person is now running away, it's for you, not cops, but for you, unacceptable and illegal to then shoot them. Mm. Right, right. Because again, that and that kind of like, you know, that in a sense defends our position. In other words, like that defends the idea of, of not resorting to revenge and retribution. You know, because in a certain sense, like, Unless you know, you're well, yeah, which is like, you know, I don't <laughs> and understand apparently that. apparently perfectly normal and acceptable. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, we got we to gotta work on that one. Gotcha. <laughs> but, you know, the whole self-defense thing, what I've realized recently is that, you know, when you are attacked, you're either going to fight or flight, whichever is the easier thing for you to do, pretty much. That's the way I look at it. And so I no longer feel guilty um, for the ways I defended myself in the past. You know, but one thing that I do see wrong that I used to do is because back then I believed in free will, there were times when I was sort of seeking revenge because I was mad at how they hurt me. And so I did attack people to punish them for what they did. And I see now that that was wrong. And that's what got eliminated as soon as I understand that. I can't truly blame anyone, and no one's truly deserving of suffering. And so I guess I no longer seek revenge. And so that is really what I mean when I talk about how my former violent ways of revenge got eliminated, basically. Gotcha. You just, you just keep talking about yourself as if you are on your way to being a sociopathic <laughs> mass murderer. And I just don't buy that. So. Well, I know it seems funny now um, hearing me talk like that because I'm such a sweet guy. <laughs> but, well, yeah, but what I'm saying, though, is I do wonder if had I not learned that people are not deserving of punishment had i not learned to empathize and have compassion which i do think is a very biological thing so i think you're right felicia because i just always had an 
an empathy where I cared and I didn't want to hurt people. So it's chances are, given my particular biology, I might not have ever really been that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you would have turned out okay, honestly. <laughs> you know, I think a really cool thing about what we're doing is like, so we've been talking about revenge, you know, and revenge usually follows the initial aggression you know, vengeance maybe. And, and so what we're doing by, by teaching the world, by leading the world to this understanding that nothing is up to us, I think we're, we're basically minimizing and hopefully eventually perhaps eliminating a major reason why people avenge to begin with. You know, in other words, like people, why do people hurt other people? Sometimes it's like fighting for limited resources. But I think a lot of times is because like people conclude, well, this person is doing something wrong, something evil, whatever, and because they have free will, you know, I, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of like a vengeance in itself, but like, you know, they, they feel like that they are kind of like inflicting moral judgment sometimes on a person by aggressing against them, whatever. So like, you know, basically we're, we're just like, we're um, minimizing just this, this basic reason why people get into conflict to begin with. Well, before, you know, once we gather, you know, a couple thousand followers, then I might say we're leading something or minimizing something. But in, until then, I think we're working towards leading something and minimizing something. I don't want to overstate our uh, influence. Promoting well, awareness. Yeah, yeah we're, we're so we're so far ahead of the curve. We're basically ahead of academia, ahead of the media. So it, it may take time. This this may, you know, not, you know, really be accepted by society for another, who knows, 20, 30 years. But, you know, this, this what we're doing is really essential. Yeah, and I, th I think Felicia has a point. Yeah, it, we probably aren't having as much influence as we would like to have, although I do think we've made a big step by doing this podcast, and we've got it up on iTunes, we've got 14 subscribers, and I really do think with you know, it will help because there are people who have benefited from this. And and what's interesting have you is, heard any? well, you know, I've read a lot of stories um, of people who after they overcame, you know, people who've written on their own blogs about once they came to understand that free will is an illusion, you know, that hatred and deserving of people, you know, it kind of, it, it dissolved. And also some of them were like what you said, Felicia, you know, they realized, well, there, we are not responsible for our sins. Jesus didn't need to save us because we're not responsible. And so it gets very much into the whole religion aspect because so many people are raised in this way, you know, um, also you? Jamie, um, Jamie Soden, you know, we, we've had a lot of talks and stuff, and he it's helped him not be so angry and hateful of people. You know, he still reacts, you know, emotionally um, when people say things about him. Um, but, you know, he cools off and he realizes, well, you know, these people, it's not really their fault, you know. He, and he comes to understand that. So I know that it's benefited him, and I know it's benefited me. And I think there are many more people than we even know that, that are helped by this. And whether or not that they real, realize, I mean, t I don't really care how they get the information, whether it's from listening to our podcast or reading Sam Harris's book or 
or something else that leads them to this understanding. And they don't even have to understand the term free will. In fact, they don't even have to hear it. But they have to understand that if they were in another person's shoes, their biology and their environment, they would probably be doing exactly what that person is doing. I mean, how could they have done otherwise? That leads to another kind of misconception people have of free will. Some of the academic philosophers, they say, well, you know, if we are doing, if we are who is doing the doing, whatever it is, deciding, that gives us free will. You know, it, it, it may be our unconscious mind that's directing our actions, but it's we who are doing it. And I mean, like, the obvious answer to that refutation is like, if that's the case, then a, a, a robot has free will because a robot is doing what it's doing regardless of its programming and a computer has free will. I mean, you could apply that argument to, to basically anything that does things. Yes, basically that, that applies to every cell in, in your body as well. I mean, the, your, the internal organs, like my heart's pumping of its free will because it's my heart pumping, you know. I mean, you can, you can really go far with that. Your hair is growing of its free will. And I think the problem is that basically turns every process into um, free will. Every process, every, everything in the universe that moves has a free will then by that definition. Did you guys have anything to say? Uh, I, I mean... There's more things on the list from back reaction. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We've got about uh, three and a half minutes. Okay, for it. This one says, if we do not have free will, we cannot do science. <laughs> I've never heard that. Where did that come from? I've never heard that either. Because it's determinism that's required for science. To, in order to have experiments, you have to be able to cause certain things to happen and identify what the causes of something is. So it seems to me that free will and science are in conflict. I don't know where they got that one. Yeah, I think their, their reasoning might go, well, science is about discovery. So if we've been predetermined to discover what we discover, we're not really discovering it. <laughs> so, uh, I, don't, I don't understand that one. No, I, know, I hear you. <laughs> I have no I have no idea where that one came from. I thought that was bizarre, but you know, if if anyone was actually wondering if we have free will, then how can we do science? Then, you know, let us know and explain that to us because we're confused. Yeah. Is is, is that kind of like a, a fatalism argument by any chance or I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some you know, people some people have even said, well, you can't refute free will because you don't have a free will. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. heard that one. That happens oh, yeah. in YouTube all the time. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How does that, well, my not having a free will is dictating for me to argue with you about free will. Right. Well, they don't obviously get is like, you know, we are refuting free will. It's just not up to us that we're doing it. You know, that's, that's what our whole point is. Well, it's sort of like those people who they say that by saying that God doesn't exist, that you're proving the existence of God. Those people exist. They say, well, you couldn't say that God doesn't exist if God didn't exist to have created you to say that God doesn't exist. And that's Yay, their reasoning. circular reasoning! Yes, circular reasoning. That's exactly what it is, Felicia. And it makes no sense. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. It's like... It's sort of like the whole, 
um, um, we have free will because God is just. God is just because he punishes our freely chosen sins. <laughs> I, ob I object to that on multiple accounts. <laughs> yeah, there's so many ways in which it's wrong, but it's, the circular reasoning couldn't be any more obvious. So yeah, in fact, you know, what we need to do is we got to get people to clarify when they say these things, what they actually mean by it. Their um, objections? I'm, what, I'm wondering what they say these things, it's unclear. Their arguments are so unclear. We, sh we should get Trick to, to write a blog post on his blog, just, you know, enumerate all the 10, 20 different ways of, of, redefine, of misdefining it and, and explaining it. Because a list like that would be so cool. I mean, I... Felicia, it's, it's kind of like similar to the one you have, you know, with, with that blogspot post, post, but, you know, just really, you know, presenting the, the misconceptions and then explaining them. Oh, he, he does actually explain them on blogspot, but, I mean, if we were going to just read straight from what he said, then there's no reason for us to be I talking. I hear you. I hear you. So, <laughs> so I skipped those parts. Yeah, we're a little over 30 minutes, um, so we probably should close this one. Um, and <laughs> I, I guess I'll close this one and then we'll talk about the next one that we'll do. Sounds like a plan. Okay. You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion with Chandler Klebs, David Joseph, George Ortega, and Felicia Hogan. See you next time.